Open your Bibles with me to 2 Samuel chapter 23. 2 Samuel, and uh, this is the passage of scripture that, let me tell you, let me tell you a story. I was going to preach a message out of this passage of scripture this morning. It's Father's Day, and I was going to preach a fathery, fathery type message. I was going to talk to all the men. I was going to encourage them to be men of action and men of honor and to be husbands after God's own heart to lead their homes. You know, I was going to preach a real man message. You know what I'm talking about? So I was just listening to Siri, trying to hear what Siri was saying. Thought maybe she had some input to add here. I wanted to preach a real man message, a man message. (laughs) But the Spirit of God stopped me and he said, there's more that I want to say and I want to do here. And so we are going to look in 2 Samuel chapter 23. We're going to pick up in verse 8. And this is the passage of scripture at the end of David's life. And they're giving an account and a record of David's mighty warriors or his mighty men. But today we're not going to talk about mighty men. We're going to talk about mighty warriors. Because we're all called to be a mighty warrior in the kingdom of God. We're all called to be a mighty warrior in the kingdom of God. We are all called to be mighty warriors in the kingdom of God. I'm just looking for a little conviction. I'm just looking to see that you actually believe what we're saying. So we're all called. And so in 2 Samuel chapter 23, I want to show you something here, at least uh, these first five verses, four, five, six, I don't know, whatever it is, eight to 12. That's four, five if you count the eighth. These are the names of David's mightiest warriors. The first was Jashobim, the Hakmonite, who was the leader of the three. The three is the three mightiest warriors among David's mighty men. This guy once used his spear to kill 800 enemy warriors in a single battle. That's a manly man. We think manly men today are guys that have cool garages, big muscles. They know how to fix cars. They drive around in muscle cars. We think those are manly men, right? When we see a dude like a big handlebar mustache, we're like, wow, that dude is manly. Look at that mustache he can grow. I can't grow. Well, actually, the only facial hair I can really grow is a mustache, but it would not look manly. You'd be like, what's wrong with that guy? Don't, don't even try. This guy, in one battle, killed 800 enemy soldiers. 800. That's a lot of people. That's more than that's in this room. That's like six times the amount of people in this room right now. In one battle, that's a manly man. It says, next in rank among the three was Eleazar, son of Dodai, a descendant of Ahoah. Once Eleazar and David stood together against the Philistines when the entire Israelite army had fled. Everybody else takes off. It's just David and Eleazar. Man, that's like a movie scene right there. You know the scene I'm talking about where they're all standing together and they both look in their gun and they're down to their last six bullets and they stand back to back and they say, it's just you and me, buddy. He's like, I'm not leaving you here. We're going out together. 
That's exactly what's happening here. David and Eleazar, everybody else skedaddles. The whole army runs away, but David and Eleazar stand together back to back. And the Bible says, he killed Philistines until his hand was too tired to lift his sword. Other translations talk about how not that just his hand was too tired to lift his sword up, but that how his hand actually froze, or the good news says that it cramped up in that position. His hand was cramped around his sword, and he couldn't let go because he stood there fighting so long in this position, his hand cramped up. Forget mustaches, that's a manly man. When everybody else takes off, a manly man, a mighty warrior, a valiant warrior is the one standing on the battlefield saying, I don't care what it looks like. I'm going to stay put right here right now until this thing's over and done. Either I'm walking off this field or they're dragging my dead body off this field, but I'm not leaving willingly. That's a mighty man. Next in rank was Shammah, son of Agi from Harar. One time the Philistines gathered together at Lehi and attacked the Israelites in a field full of lentils. The Israelite army fled again. Man, these guys run off a lot. There's a lot of scaredy cats in this army. But Shammah held his ground in the middle of the field and beat back the Philistines. This guy stayed all by himself. These are, these are the three mightiest warriors that David has. And I want to tell you today, and I want you to hear me. Listen, I have actual notes today. Usually I have like doodles and thoughts written down, but I actually have things today by the Spirit of God that I feel like I need to say. So I want you, I encourage the people in the first service, and I'm going to encourage you as well. Lean in and listen to what the Spirit of God is saying today because there is something that He is wanting to say and do in hearts and lives today that I believe if we open ourselves up to it, we will leave this place set free, transformed, and changed. Amen? We read these accounts, and oftentimes in the Bible, we read stories and we say, that was the Bible, or that was then, or that was that person. That was the Apostle Paul. That was Peter. Peter did that stuff. This was King David. This was, this was King Saul. This was Solomon. They all did these things, but I could never be like those people. I could never do those things. I could never be part of those things. But I want to tell you today by the Spirit of God that God has both destined you and called you to be mighty for His plans and purposes. It's not just people in the Bible that he called and chose and destined. He has called you. The, the Bible talks about in the book of Esther, her cousin says to her, you know what, Esther? We don't know, but maybe for such a time as this, you were born. Listen, out of all the time in history when you could have been born and put on this planet, he chose you to be alive right here and right now, which means that he has a reason for you to be here, Jesse, right now, alive in 2023. There's things that he's put inside of you that when you look in the word of God, you don't have to say to yourself, that was those people, I could never be like that. But you can say to yourself, you know what? If God used those people, he can use me. God has called you and destined you to be a mighty warrior for him and his kingdom and his purposes. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm a mighty warrior. Oh my goodness. I want you, hang on a second. I want you to say it like you are a mighty warrior. 
I don't, I don't want, hang on, hang on, hang on. I don't want the Canadian politeness. Excuse me, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a mighty warrior. I don't want it. I want you to look at your neighbor and let them know, in case you don't know, I'm a mighty warrior. Guys, I have so many thoughts. <laughs> I just have so many thoughts. Sometimes I'm not sure how I'm going to wrap my head around all of them, get them all out. So Jesus, you just say what you want to say. Here's the thing. We look at these. We look in the Word of God. And there are times when the enemy comes to us and begins to feed us lies, begins to speak doubt to us begins to tell us that we will never be these things. You'll, you'll never be a mighty warrior. You know what? That person sitting beside you, maybe they'll be a mighty warrior, but you will never be a mighty warrior because you're not qualified enough because of the sins that you have in your life, because of the things that you deal with, because of uh, you don't have enough education or because you're too young or because you're too old. You bring all these things with you. And here's what I want to tell you today by the Spirit of God, and I want you to listen to me because I believe this is pivotal. He wants to say to you today that some of us in this room need to come out of agreement with the lies the enemy has spoken over us. I don't think some of y'all got that. Listen, James talks about resist the devil. And usually in church, you would hear a lot of talk about you need to reject the lies of the enemy. You need to tell the devil, sorry devil, not today. I'm not going to accept those. I'm not going to allow those lies into my life. I'm going to reject those lies. You hear a lot of talk about in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 where it talks about bringing every thought into the captivity to the obedience of Christ. And so you'll hear a lot of people say, you know what? You need to take those thoughts captive to Jesus Christ. And you, make, you need to make them surrender to Jesus. But what I want to tell you today is there's a difference between rejecting the lies the enemy has brought to you and choosing to no longer walk in agreement. Walking in agreement means that you have come alongside and said, I believe what you have said about me, and I am going to walk the road of my life in agreement with those lies spoken over me. And what the Spirit of God wants to say to some of us today is you need to come out of agreement with the lies the enemy has spoken over you. Come here, Jacob. We get to hold hands again. <laughs> Hang on, not yet. Don't, don't be so pushy. <laughs> don't, you just can't walk up here and grab my hand, man. Just wait a minute. I have to get ready. I have to get ready for it. I'm teasing you. Rejecting the lies is this. I got my hand up. Try and walk towards me. Do it again, that was so fun. <laughs> okay, I'll put my hand on your chest. This is, this is me, Jack. I'll put my hand on your chest, don't worry. Come. <laughs> this is rejecting the lie. I've got you at arm length, and I'm pushing you away. I say, I don't embrace this. 
This is walking in agreement with the lie. When you say, okay, I hear what you're saying, and I don't just hear it, I embrace it. I make it part of me. And I'm going to walk together with this lie through my life. And here we are, hand in hand, walking around in agreement. Where I was all by myself, but now here I am, holding hands with the lie that the enemy has spoken over me. And I'm walking in agreement. And the Spirit of God is saying today to us that a lot of us need to break ties with the lie of the enemy and reject those lies and no longer walk in agreement with what the enemy has said over you that does not line up with the Word of God. Amen? He's going to come to you and bring all kinds of thoughts. And he is so crafty that his lies are tailor-made to each and every one of us. He doesn't have generic lies. He's got tailor-made things specifically for you that are designed to work their way right into all the cracks of your armor. And it is time to let go and to cut ties and instead of walking hand in hand with the lies of the enemy, John chapter 14, Jesus is talking. And he says, I am the way and I am the truth. We need to cut ties with the lies and grab the hand of Jesus and begin to walk in alignment and agreement with what he says about us. So whatever lies the enemy is speaking over you, I say in the name of Jesus, they are broken right now. And they have no authority over you. They have no power over you. They have no right to stay in your life. I say that by the blood of Jesus that was shed on the cross, the Bible says who the Son sets free is free indeed. And I declare freedom and wholeness in this place right now. So 2 Samuel, we see this great list. But this list isn't how these men always lived. This list isn't how they began their life. And I want to show you, because oftentimes we look and we say, that was them, they were different, I could never line up to that. I want to show you that maybe you are more similar or have been more similar with these men than you realize. Go to 1 Samuel. We're going to look in chapter 21. Chapter 22, I'm sorry. First Samuel, chapter 22. If you know anything about David, he has had a rough time of things. He was anointed king. And there was already a king in place. The king was going crazy. He was tormented. David used to play his harp, would go into the presence of the king, play his harp, and as he played his harp, and as he ministered to the Lord, the Bible says the distressing spirits would leave. The, the king who was in power, Saul, just kept getting crazier and crazier. He kept trying to kill David. Finally, David has to run away and escape for his life, all the while knowing that God has, has called him to be the next king. And in chapter 22 of 1 Samuel, we find David finally finding safety living in a cave. And it says, Sir David left Gath and escaped to the cave of Adullam. 
And soon his brothers and all his other relatives joined him there. Now here's what I want you to see. In 2 Samuel chapter 23, we just read about these mighty men. Right? And if you had gone on, there's a list that continues talking about who these guys were. And if you even started reading at verse 13, it talks about one time when they were all gathered in this cave of Adullam together, David said, man, I'd really love to have some water from this, from, this, um, from this well back in Jerusalem. I'd love it. It was so fresh and so clean. It was just so tasty. And he was living in a cave. Can you imagine living in a cave? Living in a cave would not be awesome. And they're surrounded by the Philistines, and David's talking. He says, I'd love to have some fresh water from this well. And these three guys that we had just read about, the three mightiest, they said, our, our guy wants some water. We're going to get him some water. And they sneak out, and they go through the enemy lines, and they go all the way to this well, and they get water for David, bring it back, come back through the enemy lines into the cave, and give it to David. David takes his water, and he says, I can't drink this. This is worth like your blood. You could have died getting me water. And he pours it out. These are who we're talking about. But they didn't start life that way. They started life right here in verse 2 of chapter 22. And it says this. David's in the cave. His brothers and his family come and join him. Then other, others began coming. Men who were in trouble or in debt or who were just discontented until David was the captain of about 400 men. Listen, David's in a cave, and all of a sudden, all these people start showing up. These aren't the A-team. I'm not talking about like the A-team from the 80s. I'm talking about like A-team athletes. Like these are not people that you would want. These guys, the Bible says, were in trouble or distressed. It says they were broke and in debt and they were discontent. They just weren't happy in life. They would go from one job to another job to another job. They could never get happy. They'd never satisfied. These are the people who came to live in the cave with David. Imagine if your life, you were running away from somebody, you were running away from a king who was trying to kill you, knowing that you were supposed to be the next king, you're running away, you're living in a cave, and then people come and say, hey, we want to be part of your cause, we want to be helping you, we're for you, man, but these people are broke and they're in debt, they're angry, they're upset, they got trouble, they got people chasing them themselves, and these are the people that you're surrounded with? Is that who you would choose? I'd be like, you know what, man? I'm good. I got this. I got this. But let me tell you something. These were the people that we read about in 2 Samuel chapter 23. These guys right here. These were the beginnings of the mighty men. These were the beginning of the mighty warrior. So my question then in our last few minutes is how do we go from looking like this, how do we go from being people who are distraught, who are in trouble, who are stuck, who are in debt, who are broken, who are wounded, who are hurt, who are down on your luck, who, are, who look around and say there's no way out. How do we go from being those people to being the people that we read about who are mighty warriors for the kingdom of God? How do we go from over there to over here? How do we make those changes? Well, there's two things that I can think of. Well, there's probably a hundred things, but there's two things I'm going to share with you this morning. You see here in verse 2, these people, 
They weren't in a good way. They were in debt. They were in trouble. They were unhappy with their circumstances. And so they made a change. They made a big change. They left the world that they knew and the life that they lived behind and moved to a cave. And so it starts with saying, I've got to come out of agreement with the lies of the enemy. I, be, I have to begin to see myself through the eyes of Jesus. Some of us don't see ourselves the way that Jesus sees us. And can I tell you that there's probably so much more to who you are than what you see in the mirror. What you see in the mirror is your outside. What you know about your own personal life is only a glimpse of who you really are. There is so much more inside of you that God has created you and called you to be. And so we have to come out of agreement with those lies. We have to begin to say, I am no longer those things. I am no longer an abuser. I am no longer a liar. I am no longer a cheater. I am no longer a thief. I am no longer unqualified. I am no longer disqualified. I am no longer unworthy. I am worthy. And you have to begin to say about yourself what the Word of God says about you. You have to begin to see yourself the way that you know that Jesus sees you. And as you begin to see yourself the way that Jesus sees you, as you begin to come out of agreement with the lies the enemy has spoken over you, you have to begin to take stock of your life. As you move from over here, moving in the direction of becoming a mighty warrior, you get here and the Spirit of God is beginning to speak to you. He's beginning to reveal things. And I want to tell you this. Some of y'all need to take out the trash. We need to take out the trash. You need to take out the trash in your life. You need to take out the trash in your mind. You need to take out the trash in your actions, in your lifestyles. You need to begin to remove those things that you know that you're doing that you should not be doing. You gotta make a change. These guys made a major change. Their life was a mess. They were a bunch of messy dudes bunch of broken down, whiny, crying, sorry guys. They said, I got to make a change. And they left the old life behind and they'd made a change. Some of y'all need to make a physical change. Some of y'all need to move. Some of y'all need to change your friends. Some of us need to change what we watch what we listen to, what you eat, what you consume. You need to take out the trash in your life. We talked about this two weeks ago when we were talking about Jairus and Jesus and, and Jesus is on his way to go heal Jairus' little girl. And he tells everybody to stay behind, but he takes in Peter, James, and John. And they go in and we talked about protecting your atmosphere. You need to protect the atmosphere of your life. You're not listening. You need to protect the atmosphere of your life. You can't allow everything that wants to come live in your home to come live in your home. Listen, 
Naturally, if some rando showed up at your door and said, hey, I want to move in, you'd be like, nah, no, you're not moving in, sorry. Who are you? Oh, man, yeah, I'm debt. I'm disease. I'm pornography. I'm sickness. I'm addiction. I'm lust. I'm hurt. I'm hatred. I'm wounds. I'm just moving on in. You'd say, no, there's no room for you here. I'm a fence. I'm a fence. Not a fence in your backyard. I'm offense. O-F-F-E-N-S-E. I think that's right. Yep. We'd say, no, you're not coming into my house. But so many of us, when it comes to our spiritual home, we allow whatever to get inside of us. We put things in front of us that we know we should not be watching. We allow things to play on the radio and get inside of our spirit that formulate what we believe and what we think. We take out the trash in our life and begin to make changes. You need to protect the atmosphere of your spirit so that God can do the work inside of you that he wants to do. And that only begins when you begin to value and see yourself the way that Jesus sees you. And that only happens when you begin to come out of agreement with the lies the enemy has spoken over you. And that's what he's wanting to break today. So you can begin this process of becoming the mighty warriors that he's called us to be. Listen, we all know the world is in a weird place right now. And that's, that's being kind. <laughs> the world does not need a cave full of broken, indebted, weary, discontented Christians. What the world needs is a cave full of mighty warriors. So the first thing, the second thing you got to do is change, take out your trash. Not change your trash. You want to take out your trash. I want to tell you this as well. You know, here they are in this cave. If we know anything about David, well, I'm going to tell you this right now. 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 14. We know that David, the Bible says, is a man after God's own heart. Right? You've heard that scripture before? And so when these guys were in the cave of Adullam with David and they were discontented and they were in trouble and they were in debt and people were chasing them themselves and they weren't the A-team that anybody would want and they weren't mighty warriors. They were just a bunch of guys who were in a mess themselves looking to escape from trouble themselves. When those people showed up, they got into that cave. And what do we know about David? Was David was a man after God's own heart. So we know that at some point, because we have the book of Psalms, and David wrote so many Psalms, he would pull out when he was in trouble, he would pull out that little harp and begin to go to work. Singing about the Lord. God, 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 God. Yeah. Love this jam. But those guys, let me tell you, let me tell you something. I don't know why I'm pointing at you. Those guys got themselves in an atmosphere where somebody who trusted in Jesus with the Lord, was somebody who looked to the Lord in trouble, would begin to cry out to the Lord, would begin to sing songs to the Lord, 
They got themselves in that place. And when David would look at them, David wouldn't look at them and talk about their weaknesses and all their mistakes they had made. He wouldn't pull out a ledger sheet and say, do you know how much money they're looking for from you? Do you know how in debt you are, this person? Do you know how much trouble you've cost me? David would look at these guys and begin to talk to them about the, what God saw in them. We need to protect our atmosphere and we need to get out of places where we have other people around us speaking doubt and debt and discontentment and anger and hatred and offense. We need to remove those people from our lives and we need to get ourselves into a place where somebody is going to speak the word of God over you. Where when you're having a bad day, you don't look for somebody to go and cry on their shoulder. You've got somebody that says, listen, you can cry for a second, but after that, we're going to start talking about what God says. We're going to start talking about what the Word of God says. We're going to start talking about what Jesus says about you. We're going to start talking about how Jesus sees you. We're going to create an atmosphere that is filled with His praise. We're going to create an atmosphere that is full of His goodness. Well, I'm glad Ruth's here. We got to get around people. Listen, here's the thing. When you take out the trash from your life, there's a lot of vacant space. And you got to fill it up with something. And so when you're taking the trash out of your life, it's not just enough to take the trash out. But you got to turn around and you got to fill it up with something. So you got to get around people who have Jesus at the center of their life. There's a song from like 10 years ago. It talks about Jesus being the center of it all. And I just love that song. I just love those two lines. It just talks about Jesus at the center of it all. And I love to think about Jesus being at the center of all that I have, of all that I am, of all that I will ever be. Sometimes I just sing those two lines over and over again. Jesus be the center of it all. You need to get around people in your life when you are indebted, when you are, when you are taking the trash out of your life, and when you're discontented and you're discouraged and you're saying, this isn't who God called me to be, but here I find myself. You gotta take the trash out of your life. You gotta remove the junk from your life and you gotta get around somebody who's gonna begin to point you to who Jesus is and who's gonna have Jesus at the center of their life. Don't get yourself around people who think and act the same as you when you're taking the trash out. You need to get away from those people and begin to fill yourself up with something that God has better for you. Last thing I want to tell you is this. Man, we've had so much fun today, haven't we? <laughs> Here's the last thing I want to tell you. To go from over here, to go from showing up at the cave in brokenness, in hurt, in discontentment, indebtedness, discouragement, from trouble, to go from this place over here to over here where people say, that's a mighty warrior for the kingdom of God. It starts with you coming out of agreement with the lies of the enemy. It starts with you letting go of those lies that you have joined hands with and walked through life. It takes you removing things from your life. It takes you saying, 
I can no longer allow this in my life. For me to become who God has called me to be is going to require me to take some steps, require me to make some repairs in my soul, require me to take stock of who I am as a person, require me to look deep inside of myself and say, what have I allowed in here that does not align with what the Spirit of God says I should be or should be doing? And the next thing is this. It requires a heart of surrender. Bible talks about 1 Samuel 13, 14, that David had a heart after the Lord. And in Matthew chapter 6, it's what we call the Lord's Prayer. And right off the get-go, when Jesus is teaching us how to pray, the prayer is a prayer of surrender. May your kingdom come, and may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What is that? It's surrender. It's you saying, not my plans, not my purposes, not my desires, but I surrender all to you. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Listen, I want to tell you this this morning. The mighty warriors in the kingdom, they're not the ones who have enough schooling, who've had enough education, They're not the ones who look right on the outside. You know, King Saul, the Bible talks about, King Saul was like the the best looking dude in Israel. Talks about how he was head and shoulders taller than everybody else. And they were like, yeah, of course this guy should be our king. Look at him. The Bible said, though, that God doesn't judge man from the outside, but he looks at our heart. And so... The mighty warriors in the kingdom aren't the ones that seem to have it all together and have all the pieces in the right place. The mighty warriors in the kingdom are the ones that have a bent knee and a surrendered heart before the Lord. And their posture is one of this. And their heart says, God, not my plans and not my purposes, but your kingdom and your will be done. Whatever that looks like, I surrender to you. Because there's a truth that you can't get away from. And the truth is, is that your life is not your own. And here's the struggle we find so often in life, is the struggle is the balance between this is my life or this is God's life. And to be a mighty warrior in the kingdom requires that you surrender yourself to him and say, actually, I just realized I'm not the king here. It's you're the king. And so I surrender all that I am and all that I have to you. And as you surrender yourself to him, as you surrender your life, all that you are and all that you have, you move from a place of discontentment and a place of trouble and a place of hurt and offense and wounds and darkness into a place of victory and becoming a mighty warrior for the kingdom of God. Stand up with me. I want to do two things. I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up. I want to to do two things.
by way of closing today. Jesus. I always love how the two difference, the two, the two services are similar but different. They're never quite the same. And I love that. I love that about God because he knows who's in the room and who needs to hear what and what he needs to say and do. And I'm truly thankful for that about him. He's so good. And so... I want to pray two prayers. The, f- the first prayer I want to pray is this. I don't, want to, I don't want to move on from this spot without giving everybody a chance in this room to get their life right with Jesus because that's where it all starts. You can't do any of this in your own strength and your own power. And so if you're here in this place today and you've, you've won, you've never given Jesus your life, You have always been the king of your own heart. You've always been your own savior. Or two, you're in this place and you have made that decision, but you know that you're not walking the walk. You can talk the talk, but you're not walking it right. Maybe you've got some trash in your life that you need to take out and you know that trash in your life has hindered or stopped your relationship with the Lord from looking the way that he wants it to look. And so if you're here in that place and one of those two things, I want you to slip up your hand. We're going to pray together. We're all going to pray together. We're all going to say that prayer. But I want to make sure that everybody's life is right with Jesus because that's the beginning place. It's getting right with him. So if you're here and you need to do that, all you got to do is slip up your hand. We're going to pray together. I see that hand. I see those hands. I see that hand. All right, we're going to pray together. I see those hands. We're going to pray all together. And I want everybody to repeat this prayer after me. You're like, I don't need to pray it. That's okay, we're going to pray it anyways. There's power in numbers. And sometimes maybe you're here in this place and you're too ashamed to put up your hand, but you know I really need to pray this prayer. So we're going to all pray it together. So repeat this after me. Father, I come to you today and I surrender. I surrender all I am. I surrender all I have. Lord, I ask you to be the king of my heart. Jesus, I thank you that you are my savior, that you are my redeemer. I thank you that by your work on the cross, I have been moved from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the marvelous light. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Father. I say, have your way in my life today and forevermore. In Jesus' name, we all say, Amen. Amen. Come on, let's give it up.
And here's the second thing I wanna pray for. I wanna pray for people in this place and whether you're here or you're watching online, because I believe there is no distance in the spirit. And so if you're watching or if you're here, I wanna pray for people that as we were talking about coming out of agreement with the lies of the enemy, the spirit of God began to speak to you about lies that you have walked in agreement with in your life. And here's why, because I know the spirit of God is wanting to break off those lies once and for all today. And so I don't need to know what the lies are, only you need to know what those lies are. But if you're in this place today and you say, there are lies that I have allowed not only into my home, but I have chosen to walk in agreement with. And I've said, yes, you are true. I hear what you're saying. I accept it. I'm gonna make this lie a part of my life. If that's you, I want you to raise up your hand and we're gonna pray together. And I believe that the spirit of God is gonna do what only he can do and bring freedom in this place. So if that's you, I just want you to raise your hands. I see them. I see them. And there is, no, listen, there is nothing to be ashamed about. I think the first service, almost everybody had their hand up. And if we're gonna be honest, I believe probably many of us have walked in agreement with the lives of the enemy. But Jesus is saying to us today, no more, no more, you don't have to. You don't have to. And so Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus for every person in this room with their hand raised. We come against every lie of the enemy and we say that it has no right, it has no authority, and it has no place in Jesus' name. We say to those lies right now, and I want you in your own mind to be thinking about that lie. We say to those lies right now, we call you dead in the name of Jesus. We say that you have no authority in the name of Jesus. We say that you have no place in the name of Jesus. And we choose to no longer walk in alignment with the lies of the enemy, but we choose to walk in agreement with what Jesus Christ says about us. We choose to say what the blood of Jesus says about us. And we walk in freedom and we walk in wholeness and we are set free today by the work of Jesus on the cross. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. We all say, amen. now listen, what does amen mean? What does it mean? So when you say amen, you are coming in agreement and saying, so be it. So be it that those lies are dead and gone, that the power of Jesus, the name that is greater than every other name, has severed those lies from here on out until eternity. And we say,